Welcome to the journey with Mpo Podcast, a sacred space for healing, love, and rediscovering your life purpose. Introducing your host, Mpo. Welcome to Journey with Mpo. Thank you for taking the time to tune in. Your presence is highly appreciated. Before we get into today's episode, I just have a side note. All the guests who have been on the show are my friends, and today's guest is no exception. I am eternally grateful for how this show has positively affected the connection with my friends. After each interview, we find ourselves a lot more closer and enjoying organic relationships. This platform has taught me how not to attempt to understand someone's life story, but instead to learn about their life experiences. And sometimes you won't understand, but you can always learn something. Okay, thank you for allowing me to share my gratitude statement. Today's guest is no exception from my beautiful circle of friends. We have Lindsay in the studio. I met her at her graduation beach party three years ago. She was a light-hearted energy with plenty of love to go around. I knew we'd be friends for a long time to come. If only she could stop traveling the world for a <laughs> bit so we could hang out. Yes, I am a really selfish friend. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for being willing to share your journey with Mpo. Thank you. It is my pleasure. <laughs> more than a pleasure, more like an honor. Oh, <laughs> man, we love you. So tell me about how you're feeling today. <clears throat> how is your breath? Is your heartbeat steady? I don't know if my heartbeat is ever that steady, but it's definitely better when I'm with you. So that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> I love you. I love okay. You. So let's get the audience in touch with you. Where were you born? Um, I was born in New York, um, originally from Long Island, New York. Um, okay. But I've been in Hawaii August 15th, I actually believe. It was 10 years since I moved Ooh. here. So this is definitely my home, but um, I'm definitely New York bred. So. Yay, New York. <laughs> Yay, New York. <laughs> Do you believe in real life superheroes? Um... I get, I do actually. Um, I think that they are more common than people probably think. Um, for sure, my superhero, I'm going to be honest, is my therapist because <laughs> I actually, um, I believe that people in that line of work are really saving lives and yeah. doing the work that um, doesn't always get noticed. Definitely. Um, and they don't. <clears throat> they're not the ones seeking approval for it mm. or seeking the attention for it, but they're the ones that are kind of the backbone. Um, so, I mean, I, I think they walk the earth for sure. They definitely do. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a younger sister. Um, she lives in Florida. Um, but she is um, from a pre my stepfather's previous marriage. So no birth siblings, but definitely by heart. So did you spend most of your... We grew up together. Our parents were together when we were very young. So um, yeah. we never, it never 
I guess it never felt, once we connected, it never felt like it was anything different. Mm -hmm. Um, We are far and distant just because of, you know, where I live and where she lives and our lives have kind of just grown separately a little bit. But um, there's always that, can't really get away from family, you know? So (laughs) The real question is, what is Hawaii close to? (laughs) Exactly. We are the farthest from anything ever in the world. So, yeah, so definitely... Kind of, and that's that's one of the things I've learned about being here and, and traveling so much too is you kind of learn to love people from a distance. Mm. Um, that th- that's something that's taken some time to to feel good about, I yeah. think. But um, being here ten years and 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 having my family further away and and having families all over the world now, it's yeah. if you want to keep those connections, you have to work at it. But you do have to learn to love from a distance, and I'm sure you understand that too. Is yeah. your family is so. Well, part of your family is so far away. And And I think it strengthens relationships. You know, I often hear people saying distance makes you forget, you know, Mm kind of separates you from people. But I Mm -hmm. found that I'm much more closer with my mom. We have an organic relationship. We enjoy each other's time and company because we know how little of it we have when we're actually together. Right. I think the time that you have, you use more efficiently, maybe, or better, or... um, even with, you know, I have a lot of, as, as a volunteer, I have a lot of international friends now who have become some of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we put in the work for it. We WhatsApp, we yeah. video chat, we do things <laughs> like that. So, But we're constantly kind of pulling each other in because we don't get to see each other all the time. Yeah. And we don't, you know, we don't always get to come for holidays and things like that. You know, we live all over the world. So, yeah. um, but that's, that's definitely something that I feel like I've, I've had to learn how to work work at and yeah. be good at it if, if, if it's a relationship you really want to keep. So I think the advice we're giving the audience here is if you hate someone, travel a distance far away from them. <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> and you might just fall in go love to the with other, them. Go to the other end of the world and you might realize how much you love them. <laughs> okay. I am going to turn it down just a little bit and then we'll pick it up again. So you have experience with bipolar depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when it first started? Um, so I've always had depression, um, even as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my, lo- my most recent doctor really feels that it did start probably around puberty, mm-hmm. um, which is where I think bipolar starts a lot. Um, but I went through a lot of things as a child in terms of my mental health and depression yeah. where I was probably misdiagnosed a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was clinical depression, and then there was a time when I was thought to have borderline personality disorder. So I was kind of going through treatments that really didn't fit mm. who I was. Mm-hmm. And, um, th- I mean, you kind of just learn how to move through those things. But um, it wasn't until I was actually in adulthood where I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, it, it almost, uh, this sounds weird, but it was almost a bit of a clarity to me mm-hmm. because I underst- I was able to understand where my head was at mm-hmm. um, and why, <clears throat> or kind of the symptoms or, or what, what, what that kind of illness does to you mm. um, and, and then find ways to treat it because you're not going to treat someone with cancer for, you know what I mean, for, yeah. for something that they didn't have or whatever. So do you think the medical industry has come a great distance when it comes to diagnosing people properly and finding out what exactly is wrong? Uh, that's a hard question. Um, yeah. 
I mean, I definitely think that there's more awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that answers your question well, yeah. but um, there's definitely more awareness. I think there is less stigma attached, although I think there still is. I think we still have a long way to go when it comes to yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but I do think people are becoming more qualified. Yes. Um, and more experienced mm-hmm. in, um, in, in doing that. Um, and maybe more open to, to new methods, meditation, right. breathing. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's not just about, um, prescription medication anymore, yes. um, which doesn't really work for me. <laughs> um, never so, tried it. So, um, now, now there's different ways to really treat those things. Like you said, uh, holistic medication, yeah. other treatments, things that they're definitely spending more effort, I think, in, in yeah. finding new ways. They're just realizing that some ways just aren't working. That's and, good. And then I think that I think is really, really is, is progress. Yeah. So. Do you, have you established ways or rituals routines that you do for yourself daily that you're able to kind of work through the anxiety and the depression daily is hard i mean mm-hmm. you we you think that we should be doing it daily and, and that probably is the goal yeah. um but i don't know i think sometimes and i don't speak for everybody with depression i speak yeah. as a person that um struggles with it mm-hmm. um you can very much get wrapped up in your own thoughts mm-hmm. and and it can consume you on certain days. Some days it's not so bad. Yeah. Some days you're able to make room, I think, for the pain or the or the the struggle, yeah. the grief that you yeah. need. Um and sometimes I think you just don't do it as yeah. well. Yeah. Um and those are the times when I, I kind of feel like I have to fall back a little bit from people, from situations, yeah. from my job, from from things like that. So um, I, I said, I'm very committed to therapy. I go every week. Um, I pretty much, I do, I really don't like to cancel. I don't really like to reschedule. I will if I have to, Yeah. but I very much kind of make sure that that is a priority for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think having somebody who is, my therapist also specializes in grief and bipolar disorder. So okay, he okay. fits me very well in that, that yeah. kind of way. Um, so I definitely think it's important, it's, it's helpful for me to have somebody who is not emotionally connected to me, Mm -hmm. um, who can help me work through my anxiety, Mm -hmm. my feelings of self-doubt comes Mm -hmm. a lot with depression, um, lack of confidence, Mm -hmm. um, confusion, Mm -hmm. um, feeling kind of dissociated or distant from other people, loneliness. Um, so it's kind of nice to have somebody who, um can kind of help you help me move through those things. How long do you think it took you to find this one particular therapist? Because for me, I feel like I always went through different types trying to find the right, right. fit. And some sessions, first sessions are always horrible. Like, let's yeah. admit it. Yeah. What's wrong? Why are you here? And you're kind of like, yeah. I don't think I have a problem, but the world out there kind of thinks I'm psychotic. I do. <laughs> so I'm here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's definitely how I felt when I was younger because I've mm-hmm. always kind of been in therapy. I had kind of really wonderful parents that way. I mean, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, but Mm -hmm. especially that way, um, where they wanted to find any way to help me. So um, it's not always comfortable for a child. As I got older, I was able to really, it more became about me wanting the help than Mm -hmm. it did about me feeling like I I was forced to do it. Um, 
and I think that comes with maturity and understanding yourself a little bit and yeah, yeah. kind of like just getting up day after day and realizing like I don't want to live like this anymore mm-hmm. so like what are we going to do we're just going to go through every option that we have and yeah. so I've, I've had some great therapists I've had some not so great ones that just didn't yeah. and maybe they were great they just weren't great for me yeah um which could happen yeah um but this one just happened to be because I you know and with health insurance and lo- or leaving jobs leaving school that gave me that kind of security yeah. I you kind of it means you kind of leaving certain privileges privileges and yeah. um so I, I often had to switch doctors or, you know, moving from Hawaii, I had to, you know, I had one in New York for a while and then moving here, I kind of had to switch. So it's one of those where you kind of do have to, it's like relationships almost, you kind of, <laughs> you know, you kind yeah. of go where your life takes you and you find, find yeah. ways to adjust. So I hear you saying your parents are very supportive. Yeah. What do you think people who don't suffer from mental health issues can do to understand or assist those who do suffer? That's a good question. Um, well, I think being a listener is probably the most important thing. Um, I don't. I don't know. Some people won't understand it, and that's not their fault. It's and not their responsibility. It's not their responsibility either. to go through what mm-hmm. you are or what I am or anything. Mm-hmm. And they may be going through it, but going through it in a different way. Yeah. And and um, I think reserving judgment in terms of what you think people should feel Mm. um you don't have to feel it but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist that's true that's true i think a lot of people hear it's all in your head shake Mm -hmm. it off you can do it you're choosing not to be happy Mm -hmm. like man if you it can be disheartening to be around um people who who truly feel that my or I feel like they they think that my depression is a choice, mm. um, because I definitely we definitely have choices. Some of us just have different choices to mm-hmm. make or whatever. And but um, I I choose the way that I handle it, but I didn't choose to to have like a mental illness or anything yeah, yeah. like that. So. So you're a psychology graduate. I, I am. Yay yay! Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> What inspired you to study psychology? Um, so I always kind of wanted to be a psych major. Um, I've worked in youth development my whole life. I really only have one skill, and that's working with kids. So I, I'm not really good at anything else. But, but I know you're shaking your head. But um, I thought at the time in high school when you were really thinking about what you were going to do after high school and what, where your future was headed... I always knew I wanted to work with kids, but at that time, I thought that I really wanted to do the psych part of children and children's behavior and um, child psychology and things like that. Mm-hmm. So helping special needs kids and, and things like that, which I still want to do. Um, but then like as I got older, I realized that I was good at a lot of things that involved youth development. So mm-hmm. I kind of just reinvented myself over the years. Um, so now I'm a teacher, but... And my my bachelor's is not in education; it's in psychology. But they they kind of go hand in hand in a, in a lot of ways. So, 
We pay a lot of money to go to college to get degrees and things that we probably won't do in the real probably world. Probably won't do. And then I had to go back again for what I'm doing now. So, so around the circle. Yeah, just going around the circle. But I'm 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 grateful for. I think psychology is a good background actually for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, if you work in business, if you work in any kind of management, anything with people, it kind of you learn how to motivate people and what kind of you know motivates them and. I'm kind of looking into that for next year for oh. myself. Oh. Yeah. Mixing it up. I think you'd finance. be great at that. <laughs> Thank you. Psychology and finance. <laughs> <laughs> How many countries have you taught in? I mean, you're a certified international English teacher? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I have an international teaching English diploma. Um, and I also have a specialty in teaching young learners. So specifically for children, three to 12 years old Mm -hmm. which is really what I wanted it for so (laughs) um I've taught all of my all of my international like teaching experiences have been volunteer okay um so I was never paid for any of them okay um but I fell in love with it so much that I knew I I wanted to go back and and actually get TEFL certified so okay um I went back to do that um and that was one of the best decisions I made in terms of being able to allow me to um, broaden yeah. who I can reach and the impact I can make. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my first volunteer experience was in Cambodia, and that was actually through HPU. Mm-hmm. Um, we went with a, group of, um, with a group of students, and that was my first like volunteer where I was teaching English. Um, and then a year later, I realized that I really, I, I had to do that kind of thing for the rest of my life. And yeah. whether it was volunteer or whatever it be, um, and then that's when I went back, that, that's when I went to Tanzania for the first time. And then I kind of just, it grew from there. Um, so it's been four countries, I guess now, Cambodia, Tanzania, Nepal, Indonesia. Okay. So how was your experience on my home continent? You lived in Tanzania for a Tanzania, bit. Tanzania. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I was there, I, I went back four times, so, <laughs> or three <laughs> times after that. So I. Oh, I loved it. I mean, I, Africa is definitely a different world um, in terms of any of the other places that I've been. Well, mm-hmm. Asia was the only other continent I guess I've been in in that way. But yeah. um, the, uh, Tanzania was a, that was, I mean, I, I th- guess I think of Cambodia as my, I call it my volunteer tipping point or jumping off point because that was the first one. Okay. But Tanzania was the one where I actually felt like I can do something do something more with it okay in terms of could I um could I make an impact in a way yeah um and you know after you go back and you know I was living with the same host family every time I went so you you make those connections yeah my best friend Adam is we met the first time I was there five years ago and we've been best friends ever since Mm -hmm. and um so I have a family there and Mm -hmm. I have a lot of connections and I'm in touch with the teachers there all the time and I yeah. send things to them and, and things like that. So it's definitely a lot of work, especially coming from Hawaii. It's, you know, it's a 20 hour, 24 hour flight, um, mm-hmm. you know, just being on the planes, let alone, you know, the time in between. <laughs> but, um, so it's, it's long, it's definitely a commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a lot of planes, a lot of buses, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the cultural barrier can be a little bit intimidating. I mean, after being there a couple times and, and knowing people, you get a little bit more. Um, I mean, you're always careful, I guess. Anywhere. Being a traveler, being Except anywhere. For Hawaii. Any, anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> anywhere. But um, that it was definitely it was one of those things that 
I never had to push through something so much. Mm-hmm. Um, because I travel alone. I volunteer alone. I never went with anybody. Besides Cambodia, we went with a group of people. But Okay. Um, with school. But... Mm-hmm. But Tanzania was, I had gone alone, and um, yeah, you kind of have to trust yourself and trust, learn how to trust your instincts. Yeah. And stick up for yourself a little bit in terms mm-hmm. of, because I was there for a specific purpose. You know, mm-hmm. volunteers sometimes, and, and this is why there's many different volunteer organizations. Some of them are really great. Some of them aren't. Um, mm-hmm. But I, be, I learned that I did have to kind of speak up for myself and tell mm-hmm. them, you know, or... Uh, explain that I was here for something specific to help them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to just be a fill-in or a filler like I was I was really there to help Mm -hmm. their community um and that took a little bit speaking up yeah um standing your ground standing my ground a little bit Um, it's hard especially in places like those two I mean they're still generation you know generations behind in a lot of ways And, and you have to be sensitive to that yeah um but I was also there for a purpose so I had to. But that's the only country in Africa that I've been, so I can't, you know, I can't speak for, like, all the whole continent or anything, but, yeah. (laughs) So, when you're first getting into teaching abroad, what influenced your decisions on what countries to pursue? Um, So, Cambodia came because of school. Um, That was something that was offered by the school. Uh, One of our professors at HPU um, had a lot of affiliations with orphanages there because he adopted his daughter from Cambodia. Ah. So, he started that program. Okay. And um, so, that that kind of just was an opportunity that was right in my face that I couldn't really, Mm -hmm. didn't want to pass up um, if I had it. And um, after that, I actually went to Tanzania because I met a woman from Tanzania in Cambodia Mm -hmm. that I just, she, we all just kind of fell in love with her. She was such a wonderful light and she had moved there um, from, she had moved to Cambodia from Tanzania because her, her husband, his job moved him there. Okay. So after spending time with her, I said, if I ever volunteer in Africa, I wanted to be in Tanzania. So mm. the next year, I I went on I went online and I found United Planet, which had Tanzania as an option, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Super yeah. easy. Yeah. So you are a United Planet alumni who holds mm-hmm. the power to mentor other volunteers yeah. traveling abroad. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the pleasures and difficulties of volunteering abroad? So I know you spoke about Tanzania being like a transition, Mm -hmm. you know, with what you expect to be normal life and what is normal life for them. But what are some of the other challenges and pleasures? Um, I think a part of I definitely think volunteering has to do with what you what you choose to get out of it. I definitely, I mean, there are things that you're not going to be able to control, Mm -hmm. but I do think, um, the more effort you put into it, the more that you're going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be lonely at times. I mean, I travel alone, um, which I choose to do. So, Mm -hmm. but, and I like it, um, because I don't, I like to not be on anybody's agenda. (laughs) And I, I do, I really go to volunteer. I go to be with the locals and the kids and that I, I like that part of traveling and mm-hmm. teaching and things like that. Um, but it, it could definitely be lonely. Mm-hmm. And it could be there are times when you don't always know if you fit in completely or if it takes time to do that. Um, and just adjusting to, although I always seem, I my hardest part is always coming back. Okay. I have a way harder time adjusting back to American life than I ever do to when I'm going, yeah. when I'm somewhere. Yeah. Um, Why do you think that is? 
I think I actually get I get very attached to people quickly, mm-hmm. um, and especially when you're living with host families that are taking care of you, really, yes. you know. And and th- they were very hard to leave, you know. Even in Nepal, I was there for two months, and and that that was difficult, you know. It was it's difficult to leave um, family that you spend every, you know every day with. Yeah. And and you're kind of going to do this. You know, I go to do these things because I want it. I want to be around people that are going to bring me to a higher level or bring me to some kind of mm-hmm. bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. And these are the people that are helping you do it. And when yes. you leave that, it could be difficult. You know, yeah. I, I, I mean, I get used to the the not having the conveniences that yeah. we have here. Coming back to it always feels a little bit weird. I mean, I'm happy to have like showers that work and <laughs> toilets and things like that, but. <laughs> But um, yeah. but but leaving but leaving that is 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 really hard. Yeah, I think it's similar to my experience being an au pair. You mm-hmm. know, coming into the country sure. and then trying to find your balance, and then finally building those relationships that help you find your ground, and then you have to. And leave. then you have to leave it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's always hard for me to leave the kids too. Mm-hmm. So that I mean, I get very attached that way. Um, so that's always something that I'm, um, that, that's, and I think definitely think that for me, that's the hardest part of volunteering is having to, um, kind of maintain my stability when I come back and being mm. able to like navigate my emotions when coming back and, and falling back into my life again. Mm. Okay. So you have the psychology degree, but your passions and career are youth and children focused. Mm-hmm. Why children? Um, <sighs> Well, like I said, that's really the only thing I'm good at. <laughs> but also, um, the, I mean, I just think that there's such an investment in our future. Mm-hmm. And um, without them, like, who are we going to be and what are we going to know? And um, I definitely think we learn from their innocence, from their imagination. Um, and they're just so... They keep me in the moment, yes. um, which I think as an adult can be really hard to do. Mm-hmm. As long as I can remember, I was always, I think, worrying about the future or worrying about what's beyond what I can see now. And especially going abroad and volunteering, those kids, like, they really keep you just kind of in the moment mm-hmm. and enjoying small moments. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty neat. I like that about them. I've always wondered, like, you just have to play, you have to lay in the grass, you Mm -hmm. have to be spinning around, and you have to see all these cool things. It's so hard to be in the past or in the future. You just have to be be right here Mm -hmm. and experiencing all that is so beautiful. That's what I like about being involved with kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Are children the same reason you and your friend felt inspired to launch the clothing line to raise funds for youth programs, both nationally and internationally? Yeah, so that came from definitely yes, definitely that. Um, it 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 really started from I, I knew that I was going back to, to to Nepal. Okay. And what a lot of people don't know is that volunteers actually pay to volunteer unless they're sponsored by some. I was That's what I found out when I was doing research too. I was like, right. oh, I need to pay. You need to, to you actually pay for the program. You pay for all your all your vaccinations, all the flights. Unless I mean, there are some that I know some volunteers who are go through churches and they're sponsored by their church and something I didn't have that I so soul on fire was really a way for for me to get for for me and one of my best friends from New York who is very talented 
um, and he runs his own clothing company. Mm-hmm. And we kind of wanted to put our ideas together and create a brand where people, we wanted something that people would wear even if they weren't in my shoes or even if they weren't mm-hmm. doing what I was doing, but they still understood that this was gonna go back to the communities. This was gonna go back mm-hmm. to push something forward. We were trying to move forward with kindness was kind of our motto yeah. a little bit like being the movement with kindness. And um, so the kind of idea about that was mine, but all the, I mean, the ideas behind a lot of the things, but the creative part, a lot of it has to do with him. I mean, he's like the artistic kind of genius in that. Um, Mm -hmm. But so we started at four in Nepal um, to help. So all the, I don't really profit from Soul on Fire. The only profits I've ever used were to go directly towards the program that I was teaching at. Okay, okay. And so like anything that was left over would go for supplies for the schools and the teachers Mm -hmm. and whatever so I don't all the money that I raise goes towards Mm -hmm. he I mean it's his business so he makes money to produce it yeah um but I everything else goes to the organization and that the first the first group of t-shirts that we launched when was for my trip to Nepal because I was going for two months and it costs a good amount of money it does so it took a lot of saving for those trips take a lot of saving for me to Mm go um so how do we become involved with Souls on Fire? Do you so, donate? What do you we, guys do? So we, we, yeah, so what we do is we actually launch, well, we, it, we're, so we're not a big, it's not, we're not this big kind of brand yet or anything. So we kind of have to launch seasonal things. Oh, so you're pretty big. Our, <laughs> not really. Our website, so our website's only open, open during the time when we like do a seasonal launch. So we'll, mm. we'll launch a couple different designs at a time. Okay. And we'll give you two months to buy however, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And then we close it because otherwise we wouldn't make a profit. We just don't have the inventory to be able to. To print a bunch of t-shirts and then hope that we sell them. Okay, okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of give people or our customers or our followers, we give them the choice um, of, of what they want within that two, three month period. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then after that, we close it. And then we wait for a couple months, another half of a year until we come up with new designs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you very much have to be following us. Otherwise, it you can miss it. So... Um, that's one of the kind of the restrictions that we have, but just because we're so small right now. Um, okay. Makes sense. So with depression and anxiety, getting out of bed is often a struggle. Mm-hmm. What's your motivation for getting out of bed every day? I mean, being a preschool teacher, the kids smiles must play some role. It's probably, it's the main role for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky. I have a great job with wonderful humans around me all the time so that's definitely my motivation um but it it doesn't mean that it's not difficult sometimes it's once I'm there it's usually way better Mm -hmm. um but I I I find the transition parts in between things that I have to do or find motivation to do is always the hardest once I'm there Mm -hmm. I'm usually okay Okay. it's those in between parts because your mind starts thinking about Everything that could be, would be, should be, should I have done this? Yeah. Am I really happy? Is this bringing me the joy that I want? Um, is it securing me financially? Mm. Is it all these things that run through your head. Yeah. Am, am, I, am I sacrificing other dreams for something that I don't know that I'm going to want for a long mm. time? And that creates anxiety. 
I think that's it. Sure. The questioning process. Like mm-hmm. once you're in it, you're kind of there, but you're like, should I go to this party? I should have said no. I, I should have probably not accepted right. the invitation. That's exactly what it's But then like. what if I meet people I don't like? Then I have to pretend like I like them. Mm-hmm. Then I have to be uncomfortable and be someone who I don't want to be. But then right. I should just stay at my house. Why am I even <laughs> having this conversation? Right? <laughs> I like, get it. I get it. <laughs> Those are the conversations I have with myself as well. All the time. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's, I mean, there's definitely that. The, the volunteering thing is a, is a huge thing for me because um, I'm still so connected to those organizations and those mm-hmm. people and those villages. So there's always time and ways for me to go back. Um, mm-hmm. So being able to work while I'm gone to save money to go is, is a really big mm. kind of a motivation too. And also because I found I find now that the more purpose I find in a day, the easier it is for me to move through the week. <laughs> so um, I feel like even if I haven't, if I don't feel 100%, if I'm still bringing something to the table at my job, then it's okay. Mm. It doesn't have to feel good all the time. Yeah. But if there's meaning in it, then it's okay then it's, it's a little bit easier. It's worthwhile. Yeah. Okay. So three years ago, you lost your best friend to suicide. What do you think is the most important lesson or take home for those who lose family, lovers, and friends to suicide? Um, it's a good question. Because <laughs> um, there's probably so much that I can answer. Yeah. Um, I, I think... Do you mean about suicide in general or about the grief process? Maybe the grief process. process. Like, I feel like people go through a blaming process where they just... Definitely. Although I don't know if I've ever felt that way in terms of, is there guilt? Definitely. Mm. For me. And again, I I do not speak for everybody who's been in this position. Yeah. Um, But I do, I do, I can understand people and the feelings of guilt because I had talked to her the day before. So if there was there something that I should have seen or did I say something wrong that could have and I'm sure it's a bunch of little things that happened and or whatever. But there's definitely a guilt um, piece that I I definitely feel like I go through and it comes in waves. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, the biggest part about um, grief process is that there's no timeline and it's going to come and it's going to hit you in times that you don't always expect it. Mm -hmm. And I think you need to allow yourself the room for the pain. And to feel it. And to feel it. I think years after, because people put a time frame, they're like, okay, I'll be going through this for six months or other people will give you the advice that it will only last for six months, but then you're at a traffic light six years down the line and you all of a sudden have the same sharp pain like mm-hmm. the day before absolutely um it hurts the most i think on her her birthday is always difficult for me um but it's way easier to celebrate life like a birthday than it is to celebrate death so her the day of her death is always way more difficult um mm-hmm. because just because i remember it as the worst day of my life mm-hmm. so that's something that doesn't go away um, and that, uh, so that's, that's definitely difficult. And I, I know that I'm going to feel, I'm going to continue to feel that because it's been three years and I still feel it the same. Um, I think maybe it manifests differently. Um, I remember the first year being really painful because it was so fresh, I guess, and it was still kind of raw. Um, but the, f- the, the more that time passes, the more distant I feel from her. Um, and that hurts. 
Uh, a lot. Um, time the healer, mm-hmm. they say. What, what is your way of dealing with grief? How do you think you process and, you know? I, I cry a lot. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, a, I'm, yeah, I'm a really emotional person. Mm-hmm. I don't mind crying. I do it in front of anybody if I have to. Um, I allow myself the time to do it. But I found that... And my, I remember my professor putting it in terms this way. One of my professors from HBU, and she she, she called it finding meaning in suffering. Mm-hmm. And um, it's okay to feel sad, but if there's something that I can find that I can live, she'll be able to live through me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I can find, like I said, we were talking about before, a purpose. Yeah. Um, and she had a huge purpose on this earth for a lot of different reasons. A yeah. lot of, she touched a lot of people. Yeah. And so I continue to kind of advocate for things that she would really care about. One mm-hmm. of our Soul on Fire shirts went to an organization that she cared deeply about. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that, I find trying to find ways to keep her still alive that way. Um, it still hurts. There's never an easy time. Yeah. Um, but I just think you make room yeah. to feel it. And I think there's healing power mm-hmm. in changing the story for yourself, mm-hmm. too. You know, just worst day of my life turns into that's the day I gained an angel right that's the day I became a little bit stronger a little bit more connected to the people who are still alive who Mm -hmm. are still in my life and I became I also I think I became a little bit more empathetic in some ways Mm -hmm. um I put more effort into being with people who are grieving or um not that I didn't before but um I definitely, I'll sit with people more and really mm-hmm. spend that time um, allowing them to move through it. I've learned to manage my anger a lot better. Um, I was never, I don't know if I went through the angry stage of grief. I think I did, not at her, but at the situation. Yeah. Um, but it was like a brief moment and it was one of those impulsive things. But I definitely, I think after that happened, I started to have this mindset of what's the worst that can happen. It already happened to me. So now no job or no person or relationship can make me feel so horrible that, um, you know, I'll, (laughs) and one of the writers that I really like, he says it in a way where, um, I'll lose anyone and anything before I lose my mind Mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of put that in you know, I've kind of implemented that into all, but I'll, I'll always find another job. Mm-hmm. People will fall away from me or they won't. It just is kind what of what it is. is. And I, yeah. I've learned not to get so angry about it. It's okay to be sad. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've accepted that I'm maybe an energy not meant for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's okay. Yeah. And, that's completely yeah. fine. I think life is an energy exchange. I've always been saying mm-hmm. to my mom that other people that you meet aren't necessarily bad people. You're just having a bad energy exchange with right. them. They may be good people for other people, but just not for just you. Just not for you at that time. Yeah. Or at that time. Even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's get, becoming with comfortable with that, you know, and placing judgment Absolutely. and perception mm-hmm. out of the equation and saying, maybe we're spiritually, energetically not in the same space. Same space. And we're not able to bring those energies together. So. Yeah, and exactly. And it's come to a point where I. I don't, we don't necessarily have to spend a lot of time together or be close, but I could still respect you. Yes. And not, but not be angry. Ooh, 
isn't that a powerful lesson that dives into you know difference in opinions too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you can still tolerate and have civil conversations and civil relationships with people who hold very different opinions mm-hmm. from you mm-hmm. the world isn't teaching us a lot of that no, the world's teaching not us lately. you're on the left so and you're on the right right now <laughs> um, no yes i agree with you that doesn't mean i would like to say though it doesn't mean that i don't get angry i i, I very oh, often do yeah um, especially when i'm going through some of my and, and and that's one of the things about bipolar is it's like an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um my mood it's a mood disorder so my mood yeah. shift yeah and i often have to navigate who i can be around or yeah. or or what i can tolerate or what yeah. at a certain time but i kind of have to control my climate a little bit yeah, i guess yeah. to protect my orbit that way yeah, yeah. um so i've but i've so i've learned to just be in control of that so yeah, yeah. i don't i'm not angry all the time mm. And, and I can let it go and I can I, I can it's okay to be angry right now yeah give yourself that time and then and then kind of move through it I personally don't think it's a disorder I think it's the perfect way to human you're giving yourself the freedom to be to and be feel in full extent well I, I I mean that's very generous way of looking <laughs> at it um, but I I mean it does it, I think it, when it gets to a point where it really does affect your life, and your relationships and your mm-hmm. ability to connect um that's where it's been the hardest for me mm-hmm. um i become very distant and um and i don't know if this is just a Lindsay thing or if this is a bipolar thing that very often times and, and i've heard other people say this but again i don't speak for everybody but mm-hmm. i do think that depression can make it feel like you're undeserving of love mm-hmm. um even when other people probably don't feel that way mm-hmm. about you. Um, I very often find myself um, pulling away because I'm feeling like I'm an inconvenience or my emotions are too making heavy. other people uncomfortable or they're too mm-hmm. heavy. And, and they very way they very well may be mm-hmm. um, for those people. But I've found, um, especially in the last couple months, that that's not really for me to decide it's for them to decide that's powerful understanding what you bring to the table and how that affects everyone else in the situation Mm -hmm. you don't have to control how other people see you and feel about you and whatever you just need to be comfortable with what you're feeling i mean i definitely i definitely try to be um aware Mm -hmm. um i think i've become really self-aware over the past couple years um and i definitely I try don't want to ever hurt anybody intentionally or mm-hmm. do anything disrespectful and I, I definitely think it's important to I'm constantly checking myself mm-hmm. um but I think that's just a part of human and we're constantly trying to improve most of us most <laughs> we'd like to think right um so, but 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 I've come to the I've come to the understanding a little bit that I'm going to continue to have these distances if I allow that um, that insecurity or mm-hmm. the, those feelings of undeserving love, like not deserving love. Yeah. I'm going to continue to have these problems if I let that control me. Mm. And people are either going to choose to love me or they're not. Yeah. They're going to choose to accept me or they're not. And that's their choice, not mine. Mm. Okay, so 
beautiful Lindsay. I'm just like, that stage where it's not mine. <laughs> You're a member of No Hate. So for those who don't know what it is about, please educate us. So No Hate, it's a charitable organization um, that uh, advocates for the rights of the LGBTQ community. Okay. Um, so I am, I'm just part of I'm one of their advocates, I guess, because um, I... I participated in one of their photo shoots that just happened in Honolulu. Um, so though that kind of just the no hate is spreading, you know, spreading awareness through like love and community and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they do a really good job. I love that it's photography based. Yes. Um, I think it's a beautiful way to express art and feeling and humanness. Yeah. Um, so that was something that I was really proud to do. Yeah. Um, especially working with kids, you kind of want to set that example and emulate what you would want those children to project out into the world. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like I've completely exhausted the amazingness that is you. You daily suffer with bipolar, anxiety, depression. You wake up every morning and you make a difference in what I call little humans' lives and they look up to you and you bring so much light and then you've not only limited the light to your content but you've your continent but you've traveled to other continents and you've shared such beautiful and inspiring energy and sometimes you don't feel like it most (laughs) days you don't think like that but I feel like people like you are making a conscious difference in this world just by being present in your space and just being who you are gives people the freedom to be whoever the F they want to be. It's amazing. (laughs) That's very nice. It's very beautiful. Any final thoughts? What is your wish and prayer for the world? Like, what do you want? (sighs) Um, I think I want people to just pull out greatness in each other. Mm. Um, I think if we all work to maybe like bring you like I said I'm, I'm trying to surround myself with people who bring me to a higher level yeah and if we're always thinking about um how can this relationship or how can this interaction bring elevate the both of us yeah if everybody was doing that yeah. what would we become so we change the world magical unicorns mm-hmm. everywhere everywhere <laughs> rainbows <laughs> so I I guess that's what that's what I would hope for Okay, guys, you guys have got to go support Souls on Fire when you see it and they have seasonal merchandise. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with the journey with Mpo family. I love and appreciate your friendship so much. And something tells me you'll be back on this. I will be back. (laughs) I promise. Thank you so much. Thank you. Until then, thank you so much for tuning in. Mahulukwe kiotaba ruile. Aloha. Mm